Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 34. I'll be reading out of the New King James. It says this, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her master's profit or much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and Silas, cried out and cried out after them saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God. I want you guys to note this, okay? Is it wrong? Was, were they, was this lady wrong decreeing that they were servants of the Most High God? I just want to show you something. This has no, ref, no context for what I'm about to minister on. But it says, as she did this for many days, Paul and Silas got greatly annoyed and turned to the Spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. As we're reading the Lord's word, I would so greatly appreciate it if you would um, honor that. Amen. Amen. So this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did this many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. I just wanted to note, it's possible to say uh, the reality of something in accordance with God's word and do it out of the wrong spirit. Did, did you hear what I said? So this girl had a spirit of divination, and she, she is saying that these guys are of the way. These are men and women of God, but you can say the right thing in the wrong time. Do you see that? And it came out that very hour, but when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged him into the marketplaces to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. And then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them, meaning Paul and Silas, to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put him into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Stocks were like big wooden beams that would look like a railroad beam. They were fastened to the stocks. Everybody say the stocks. But at midnight, thank God for some praying men. Where are all the praying people at in the house? But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately the doors were opened, and everyone's... Say everybody say everyone's. Everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from his sleep. Now, this is my context for this morning. This is where we're going to park at a little bit. It says, and the keeper of the prison, awakening from his sleep and seeing the prison doors open. Everybody say the prison doors were open. Supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Let's watch what happens. Next verse. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in the house. Come on, everybody got saved. Everybody say amen. amen. And then he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes or their wounds. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. And when he had brought them into his house, he set before them food. And he, and he rejoiced having believed in God with all of his 
household. You may have your seats. Powerful scripture. I, I want to I read this and again because this is our context for today. Uh, just a, it's just a couple of verses, two verses, and it says suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed and the keeper of the prison, watch this, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled. Why didn't they flee? Supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword as it was about to kill himself. But Paul cried out or called out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Everybody say amen. amen. I've, I've read this, personally, I've read this particular portion of scripture for a long time, for many years, and I've, I've preached it uh, several times. I've heard it preached many times. As a matter of fact, a couple mo months ago, uh, remember when I made that reference to the stocks, how their feet were attached to the stocks, which would be like a large wooden beam the size of a, a railroad uh, beam. Uh, the the Romans would connect chains to them and uh, like shackles. And that's what the prisoners would be shackled to so they wouldn't, couldn't escape. And so the other few months back, I preached a message called Sing Your Stocks Off. Does everybody remember that message? I thought it was really funny. I thought it was Holy Ghost inspired. Why y'all looking at me like that? Everybody say, Sing Your Stocks Off. You know how some people say, sing your socks off. Come on, I'm just kind of being funny. Can the preacher have fun in the house of the Lord? And so uh, I, I talked about the importance of praise in the midst of being in difficult situations. If you wait for everything to be right in your life before you begin to praise God, the enemy will see to it that you will never praise God. He'll keep you in that difficult situation. But there's a company of people that I believe God is raising up that are full of worship, that are full of praise. Come on, where are all the Zioners at? Zion means praise, that we praise God to the degree that no matter how hot our trial is, no matter how much heat the enemy brings, no matter how many fiery darts, no matter how many shackles and chains, no matter, come on, the sin in your life, never allow your praise to be stolen by the powers of darkness. Amen? Sometimes you don't need a prayer partner. Sometimes you just need to praise your way right out. Amen? There's power in praise. Somebody say, sing your stocks off. Look at somebody and tell them that. Sometimes you have to sing your stocks off. There are many different ways I feel that this scripture can be taught. I'm going to have fun this morning. I can already sense it. There's many different ways I think that this particular, uh, these cluster of verses can be preached. It's power packed. And this is what I love about the word of God. The word of God is described like a, like a stream, right? It means fresh water comes from it every single day. I can look at that verse and see five different messages just in one particular verse. This is why the Bible says that the word of God is alive, it's living, it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. So, so, so recently, I ran into something that especially stood out to me and really truly ministered to me, and I believe it's going to minister to somebody in this place this morning. How many believe that? Different sermons can be extracted or extrapolated out of this, like sometimes obeying God gets you in difficult situations. Come on, now there's two or three people that I know in here. Come on, they might not approve you. Come on, at the job or come on, on that lease agreement if you tell the truth about your taxes. Come on, sometimes obeying God gets you in trouble. Come on, sometimes telling your spouse the truth versus hiding that thing might get you in trouble. Paul and Silas were preaching the gospel and ended up in prison. Sometimes doing the right thing will get you in a little bit of trouble. Amen? The power of praise and worship. We talked about that. Also, you can use this particular verse to uh, encourage people how your relationship with God can break other, others free from what binds them. And they don't necessarily need to be the one praying and praising but it's based on your relationship with God. Come on, did you know that? You can so carry the presence of God and power of God in your life so that people who are next to you, come on, look at somebody and say, it might be you today. Look at somebody else and say, my praise is powerful. <laughs> Amen. But still, 
more so, there's something, and I, I almost want to over intentionally over communicate this word. I want to over, I over, I want to over amplify it. I want to overstate it. I want to put three or four exclamation marks behind this. So can I just read this one more time? It says, "And the keeper of the prison, awakening from the sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself." But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all there. And then the man called for a light. He ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Question number one, who opened the doors? Come on, somebody said it. I heard the J word in here. Who opened the doors? Jesus opened the doors. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Question number two, and this is why I'm here. Why didn't they take advantage of God making a way? Let me make sure I got this verse right. And the keeper of the prison, awakened from sleep, seeing the prison doors open and supposing the prisoners had fled. Why didn't they flee? Everybody say, why didn't they flee? They drew his sword. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. What are you guys still doing sticking around here? I just made a way for you. Look at somebody and say, why didn't they run? See if they got the answer. Wait for them. Like look at them awkwardly just for like three seconds. And after that, it gets really awkward. Don't keep looking at them. I want to minister this message entitled stick around. Everybody say, stick around. Paul and Silas had an opportunity to leave, but they didn't. Look at somebody and say, stay in position. Stay in position. Look at somebody else and say, don't take the easy way out, James. Tell him. He's going to help me this morning, and he might just get me in real big trouble. So, so, so you know what I really and truly believe? That Paul, and I believe that this is the word of the Lord for the hour. I think when I think about this scripture, I start thinking about what's happening in the world today. Everybody's saying, man, God's making a way of escape. But listen, there's something to be said about what happens when you stay in something that God has put you in. Imagine if Paul and Silas had left. They would have got temporary relief, but they would have missed the blessing. And this applies to some of our lives. When we, when we I, you know what I believe? You know what I believe, Mike? I believe that sometimes God strategically opens doors just to see if you're ready for him to bless you. He wants to see, will you, will you, will you escape? Will you move out of position? Will you, will, you, will you leave this thing that I have put you in? Because what, he, what God is, he's a tester. See, we don't talk about that. He'll test just to see, will you leave even if I make a way? Because sometimes God, he wants to make a way of escape, not to see if you're faint hearted. No, 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 no. He wants to see if you have grit enough for him to be able to bless you and be able to handle the blessing. Come on. He wants to see if you will stay in position. He wants to see if you have the fortitude you know what we don't talk about anymore? We talk about blessings these days. We don't talk about endurance. I, I, I pray in Jesus' name that worldwide preachers start really preaching, not in a way that keeps people in the seats, but to really disciple people who are in the seats. Because God, say endurance. Do you know why I believe that Paul had such anointing on his life? You know what the Bible talks about him and Peter. It says that they had such glory on their lives that when, sh when their shadow would pass by somebody, they would be healed. I, I wonder if it's because of certain situations like this, because they didn't leave when God made a way, because they understood that God fashions people the longer they stay in difficult situations. And I wonder if there's a few people in here that have a few little open doors, a few little uh, ways of escape. Come on, it might, this might relate to a marriage this morning. This might relate to a job. It might relate to someone that you're, I don't know, friends on Facebook with. I'm trying to make it practical. 
It might relate to a business opportunity. I don't know what it is, but sometimes God will stick you in a situation and he'll open a door. The only problem is, is when you leave that door, you ever see somebody who keeps going around the same mountain over and over and over again? It's not because God doesn't love them. It's that God is still trying to make you pass the test that you should have passed, come on, in 2020. And come on, 2019. So what am I saying? If you're going to go through something, don't go, don't go through it for nothing. Walk away with something. Walk away with some wisdom. Walk away with some strength. Walk away with some faith that you didn't have before. Walk away with a knowing that if you leave me, I'm still good. If, if, you, if you don't ever, come on, realizing that you don't need people, come on, to promote you, realizing that you don't need, come on, you don't need another miracle to validate the fact that God is alive. He's on the throne. He's alive. He's still good. He's still God. Amen? You know what most people walk away out of seasons with? Not fruit, not blessing, but frustrated. Frustrated, tired, angry, bitter, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to go through something, I'm walking away. I'm not walking away with nothing. If I'm going to go through a tough season in my life, I'm walking away with a blessing. I'm one of those stubborn people who are like, uh, who was it, Jacob. I won't let go until you bless me. Holding on to God until he breaks through. Come on. Walking away with learning to trust God more in my next trial. Walking away with more faith. More fruit of the Spirit. Come on. We don't want to talk about that. I want to walk away from this, this thing with some more evidence that God didn't bring me through this for nothing. Come on. I want to walk away with a miracle. I want to walk away with some more peace. I want to walk away with, watch this, some more patience. Couldn't, uh, and some of us use a little bit of dose of that in this season, just a little bit more patient. See, my prayers have changed these days. I used to pray, God, deliver me from this. God, get me out of this trial. God changed my spouse. God changed my, uh, my boss. Change these situations. I don't pray like that no more. I don't pray. That. That's why you pray when you get entry level. You, then you start praying, I know you're not going to change this, Lord, so you might as well give me a little bit of patience while I'm in this storm. Where, can I have a chair to sit on? I'm, this might be a, a long morning. Somebody say, Lord, Give me patience. Watch what James says. Watch what James, not this James, James in the Bible. My brethren, James chapter one, verse two. Are you guys having fun with me? I'll get serious in just a minute. James chapter one, verses two through four. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall. No, no let me just rewind that. My brethren, count it all joy if you fall. It don't say if. Oh, I I got that mixed up. doesn't say if. It says, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. Produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be a man or woman of God, perfect and complete, lacking no thing. Look at somebody and say no thing or nothing. I love the way that the, pas the Passion Translation so eloquently, it's like a... It's a poetic version. It says it like this. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. A trial? For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. You had that right, Cheryl. And, and then... As your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Think about Paul and Silas here. God opens the door and they stay. Look at somebody and say, just stay. Just stay. That's James chapter one. Just stay. Everybody say, just stay. Most people want out instead of fruit. Most people want out in their seasons of difficulty versus fruit. Can I tell you this? 
And, and this, this, is, this is so prophetic. It's so short, and it seems so, so meaningless, but it's, it's, packed, it's packed full of truth and wisdom. God makes no shortcut bargains. He doesn't make bargains. I have never heard the Holy Spirit tell me there's an easier way. Jesus tried that in the garden. Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass. Even Jesus, sinless, yet wanted a shortcut. Let this cup pass, meaning he didn't want to drink it necessarily. But he said, nevertheless, not I will, but thine. There's a better way. Everybody say, there's a better way. Even seeds got this revelation that Paul and Silas had. Seeds. Everybody say seeds. Even the seed before it sprouts understands I have to decay before I produce. I wonder if Paul and Silas had that revelation. If I just imagine, just imagine with me. This is a Roman centurion, a Roman guard in prison. They're under Roman rule, Paul and Silas. They're under their thumb. They're being beaten by them. They're imprisoned by them. Do you, know, do you understand what happened in this scenario? He got a ruler, a, 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 a prison guard saved who was a Roman soldier. And not just him, but his whole family. And got baptized all in the same night. But if he would have rode the train out of the prison, even when God opened the doors for him. Everybody say, Jesus opened the doors. If he would have left, he would have missed the blessing. If he would have got out of position... He would have missed God's ultimate hand in, the, in this particular portion of Scripture. Look at somebody and say, don't miss God. If you quit too early, you'll miss God. If you give up too early, you'll miss God. L listen to this Scripture in Matthew chapter 16. Is everybody getting a little something? It says this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 through 23. It says, I just want to give you some context just, to, just so you show. I want to show you God's character. Because some people just take one verse and try to define God over one verse. Although that can happen, I want to show you just different parts of the Bible where this is a characteristic of God. It's characteristic of him. Everybody say it's characteristic of him. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 through 23, it says, From this time, Jesus began to show his disciples, he was telling them, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer Many things from the elders and the chief priests. What, what was he talking about? Suffering by, by being crucified. How many things he must suffer from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised from the third day. But his, his buddy, Peter, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. It's not in my notes, but I just, I just immediately when I just read that, something is on that. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God. Imagine your good friend telling you to get out of a situation that is difficult. This is what's happening with Peter and Jesus. He's saying, Jesus, it doesn't take all that suffering. The devil always tries to present another way. An easier way. I don't know about you, but my Bible says that the road that leads to life is not broad and wide but it's straight and it's narrow. You know what I believe that Paul had the revelation of, Paul and Silas? They had the revelation about waiting a little bit longer. It might hurt more. It might take a little bit longer, but at least it will yield fruit. When you wait just a little bit longer, when you stay in position a little bit longer. You know what Jesus was pretty much saying to the apostle? 
excuse me, what Jesus was saying, yes, he was an apostle. The apostle Peter, he wasn't an apostle yet in this context. He would become one later on. Do you know what he was saying to the apostle? For me not to suffer is satanic. You know what the Bible talks about when it talks about raising up bishops and elders in the church? It says, let that man not be a novice. You know what novice means? It means a beginner. Let that man or woman not be a novice. At least they become puffed up with pride and fall into the snare of the devil. It's talking about how we choose leaders. In other words, do not let anybody lead who has not suffered. Jesus would say it like this. Many of you are all leaders in many different capacities. Maybe in your school, maybe in your house, as a father, as a mother, as a friend. Maybe you're the leader of one of your friends. All I'm saying is people who have not suffered cannot be trusted with God's blessings. I know we, we only want to shout about when God gives blessings, but there's something to be said about blessings blinding people. But when you've got a person who has suffered just a little while, they don't, they don't forget the hand that fed them. There's something about being in want for extended periods of time. And then finally, when God comes through, you know that there's nobody on earth who did it but him. And you wouldn't sell out for him for nothing. Look at somebody and say, I don't know about you. Go ahead. I don't know about you, but I'm sold out. I can't be bought. When you're sold, you cannot be bought. I love, I love Paul's Posture. I'm going to say something that the church doesn't talk much about anymore. And maybe it's because I was always around older people and I've always been around men that were much, much wiser than me. I, I feel like my mom's, my mom even said it. I, you know, I should have been born in the 50s or something. I still, you know, b- believe in clean music. I still believe in waltzes and stuff like that. I'm just, maybe I'm Southern. Maybe it's because I'm just old sold. I don't know what it is. But, but we, we, Paul was a man who talked about The Holy Spirit said it to me like this this morning. Paul exemplified masterfully a person who was alive and yet dead at the same time. You hear that? He he mastered. There was a mastery about it to him. Dead and alive more than anybody ever knew. He was alive in Christ. Christ was clearly ruling and reigning through his mortal body. If he laid hands on a demon-possessed person, they didn't need five other prayer warriors Demons obeyed him. Remember the seven sons of Sceva? There's some priests who were trying to cast out demons and couldn't. And the, the demons say this to Paul, or excuse me, to the, to the seven sons of Sceva. Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Demons knew Paul. He obviously contended with them. So he was clearly as live as anybody spiritually that can be. Yet at the same time, he talks about death a lot. He wasn't talking about physical death. He was talking about emotional, like soulish death. In other words, he was able to stay in that prison cell because he was dead to self. You know why most people get depressed? Oh, I'm just going to talk about it. I'm sorry. I know you're a visitor. That was supposed to be funny because, you know, we got visitors. And then my leaders look and say, if we want him back, Pastor, don't, don't, don't take it easy on him now. <laughs> Paul, Paul was a dead man walking, meaning he, he didn't have to have his own way. And the reason most people struggle with depression, I have to say it, and struggle with peace is because it, it, it's, when you really strip everything away, Come on, can I just, can I, can I teach you for a moment? When you strip all the other stuff away, it's because I can't pay my bills, it's, and that's valid. It's because my spouse isn't acting right. When you strip it all away, it's simply because you cannot have your own way. When you wipe the slate clean, but Paul was dead to self, and this is why God used him so much. You, you want to know, you want to know? You want to know why, why people are limited in being used by God? Because God only uses dead people. Dead to self. Dead to self. I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about dead to I have to have it my way. So what you want that job? Does God want you to have the job? So what you want to marry this person? Does God want you to marry that person? 
So what, you want to post that thing? Does God want you to post that thing? Come on. He, he exemplified masterfully both a person who was dead to self. In other words, he didn't have to have his own way on his timing, but he was so alive with God's spirit because Christ, listen, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Catherine Kuhlman said something so profound, so perfect, and I pray that when I leave this earth and I've breathed my last, I pray, I pray, I pray, this will be on my tombstone. This will be what people would say of me. And Catherine Kuhlman said this, not some of self and some of thee. That's what she did that with her finger. You know what I'm talking about? Not some of self and some of thee, but none of self and all of thee. This is who God uses. Is when there's none of thee. Everybody lay your hands on your heart. Just, just lay your hands on your heart. Say less of me and more of you. None of me. All of thee. Amen. You know what I thought as I was picturing Paul? I was just, sorry, sometimes I get quiet, not to make it awkward, but I, uh, I can be very theatrical in my head. God has given me a very, uh, an imagination. And I was, I was picturing even, even some of you guys, it's like this in the spirit. If, if, you know, God busts the prison doors open and I could just see some of you like, peace out, I'm gone. God made a way. Thank you, Jesus. I can see some of y'all, you know, just walking out, putting on your iPhones and putting walk it out on and just walking right out the prison. See y'all later. Y'all can stay. You can be spiritual and stay, but I'm gone. And you know what? If he would have left, if he would have left, I want you to think, I think, I want you to think about this. And I want you to write this down. I felt that this was so profound. If he would have walked out, God did the miracle, honey, right? God busted the prison doors open. God made a way because he's a way maker. He's a way maker. So God would have got the credit for the rest of Paul's life until Paul would be beheaded by the guillotine. He would eventually be killed for his faith. I could picture that story being told at all the churches he would visit because he ran circuits. He was an apostle. Apostles are, are builders. He would, um, he would establish churches, and then he would go visit them and run a circuit. Does everybody know that? That's a whole other time for teaching what Paul's role was. It's funny because I got people, you know, Facebook, you know, message me. It's apostle so-and-so. The first thing I want to ask him is, what have you built? Anyway, apostles build things. They, they, you know that you don't have to tell, say you're an apostle. If, show me what you built. But anyway, so Paul would run these circuits and he would, he would build things. And so, and so, so there's evidence when, when, when you're called to that office. Amen? But, but here's, here's what I was thinking. God, as he ran those circuits, he would sit down or could have sat down with all of these disciples that he was discipling, all of the pastors that he was overseeing, all of these congregations that he was overseeing and said, man, at midnight, God broke the chains and made a way. What a miracle. I mean, have you ever prayed and your house shook? It's hard enough to wake up at five and 6 a.m. just to pray and do a devotional. You know, in your easy chair, much less having your foot or feet and hands tied and chained to stocks all night long. Paul would have had a testimony. And here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. We can talk about what God did for us or wait a little while longer and live with the evidence of the fruit. Do you see that? He, he could have lived and talked about the miracle that God did, but he would have had no fruit to show for it. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying? So you can either have what God did. God delivered me. He opened the door. I've got my peace back. Great. You got your peace back. What else do you have? Where's the fruit of what God delivered you from? What am I trying to stay? say? If you stay in that prison cell a little while longer, look at somebody and say, just a little while longer. Look, look at somebody else and say, just even if you got to turn around behind you, say, just wait just a little while longer. 
I'll just use the, I'll just use the, the sermon title. Say, stick around. We can talk about what God did for us, delivered us from, or we can live with the evidence of the fruit of what he did. What was the fruit? A whole household got saved. People got saved and touched. Do you understand the, 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 the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The repercussions of this Roman soldier's family being saved, he was, he was being paid. I mean, I'm pretty sure that when he went into work the following day, his boss was probably pretty upset. He just got, his whole household got saved. I'm sure he turned in his keys to the, to the prison uh, owner or the overseer or the centurion and said, boss, I'm sorry, I can't do this no more. He possibly, the Bible doesn't say it, but he could have possibly got crucified. His whole family got saved. Everybody got saved. I would say that's fruit. Somebody say, that's fruit. A whole family's destiny, their eternal destiny was changed. They were on the, on the road to hell and eternal separation from God. But because Paul stuck around for five more minutes, their eternal destiny was changed. And I don't know what it is that you're facing in this moment. Now, your season might not be five minutes. It might not be five days. It might have been more than five years now. But all I'm saying is when God has put you, I'm not talking about when your sin puts you in a situation because that's called reaping. I'm talking about if you have confessed Jesus, if you want to do God's will and you know you love him and you've done nothing and of your own strength to put you there, all I'm saying is if you see that as God putting you in that situation, if you stay in that situation, allow God to fashion you, to mold you and to shape you when you come out out of that thing, you're going to come out with fruit. You're going to come out with blessing. You're going to come out, come on, with more than what you went in there with. Look at somebody and say, stick it out. Stick it out. Come on, say, stick it out. Listen to this verse. A couple more verses and then we'll close. In Mark chapter 15, verse 27. It says, and with him, this is after, during, excuse me, Jesus' crucifixion. And it says, with him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left, so that the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. That was uh, a prophetic, that was a prophecy that was given in the Old Testament that Jesus would be crucified with others. It was a fulfillment of prophecy. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads, saying, ah, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, watch this, save yourself and come down from that cross. Could he have got off the cross? He could have. What would have happened? We wouldn't be here this morning. If he, would have, if he hadn't stuck around, on the cross, we wouldn't be afforded eternal life, number one. Let me ask you something. I want to look in your eyes. I want to ask you, what represents a prison in your life right now? An education? Job? Marriage? Something going on in here? Delayed destiny? Health issue? What is it? What is, it that, what, what is that thing that you want to get out of right now that you've been trying with all of your strength and all of your might to get out of? What have you been trying to escape? What have you been trying to alleviate yourself of? I want to tell you one of my annoyances, and I don't have many of them. I'll tell you two. Don't tell anyone, though. This is completely private. I do not like when people walk around when I'm reading God's word or making noise in the service in holy moments. I believe in shouting, but there's a time for that. If you see me get annoyed in service, that's the only time you'll see me annoyed. Somebody come and stomp on my shoes or whatever they want to do. Do not disrespect the Lord's house, his word, but there's one other one. And you see me squirm. The Lord's still working on me. Look at somebody and say, you know the Lord's still working on you. One of my annoyances is when people give up easily. When they give up easily. Because it takes some kind of grit to fulfill God's plan in your life. There is nothing, there's nothing 
I want to talk to you from the heart. There is nothing more important than the will of God for your life. Nothing. I'm going to say something. My wife understands my heart when I say this. There is nothing. I'm not talking about a church. I'm not talking about fulfilling a calling. I'm talking about his ultimate will for your life. There's nothing more important. Not a career. Not a destiny. Not a platform. Not a pulpit. Not a church. Nothing. Not, not a spouse. Not kids. The will of God is the most important thing in your life. And it does take sacrifice. It takes some kind of us Southerners, we talk like this. It takes grit. It takes grit. Do you know what grit means? It takes grit. Grit is like sandpaper. It takes some kind of a backbone, spiritually speaking. And if you don't have that, the enemy will have a heyday with you. You know what my pastor used to teach me, Cheryl? I would be offended about something, and I'd go talk to him about it. And he said, well, son, that's just a sign that you're still too alive. When I would get mad at something or God was delaying something, I'm going to make sense of it. And he would say this. His second thing he would say was, you can't offend a dead man. How true is that? The reason why we're squirming so much. Paul, if Paul wasn't dead to himself, self, not physical death. If he wasn't dead to himself as soon as those prison doors would have opened, he would have looked like Forrest Gump running. But he stayed because he had, number one, he was dead to self, but number two, he had eternal perspective. And I, I want to challenge each and every one of you this morning, seriously. Whatever it is that you're facing right now, and all of us are facing something, I don't have to, I don't have to be prophetic to know that. The world is going through suffering. People are going through suffering. There's people in here that are lonely. There's people here who's, who's, who's need, need knee surgery, and they're physically, their health is decaying and deteriorating. There's people here who have marriages that are on the rocks and on the brink of divorce. There's people in here who are struggling with addiction. There's people in here who cannot get away from that computer screen. There's some people who are building their life on likes in this place. There's some people who do not have a tame tongue. There's, there's all different circumstances, difficulties represented in our lives this morning, our own prisons. But I want to ask you something. Do you have eternal perspective in that situation that you're in? And you know what I have found out to be true of God is when your perspective changes, normally he allows the situation to change. Normally. But if he doesn't, no need to worry. Because when you have eternal perspective, at least you will have peace as if it, would, as if it were changed. And I know and you know that as long as we have peace to go through, we could live with that. Come on, does anybody need peace in the room? Come on, can you stand to your feet? Now watch this. I'm not going to read the entire verse. I'll just read. Did anybody get anything out of this? Just wave your hand at me. I, I, I want to read to you a, a contrasting verse of Scripture. It's contrasting. Meaning it looks the same, but it's different with a different person. It's also in the book of Acts, but it's found in chapter 12. And I just want to read it to you. I apologize for being laborious. I'm going to read it anyway, even if you don't want me to. I can read it? Okay. In Acts chapter 12, this is Peter, not Paul. Everybody say Peter. Now, Peter went to prison too for his faith. The same thing. He went through the same thing that Paul just had went through. And it says, Peter was therefore kept in the prison, but constant prayers were offered to God. Oh, thank you, Lord. It doesn't even say he was praying. Paul and Silas were praying. 
And I just had a little moment. Y'all don't pay no attention. Sometimes I have moments I've got to go jot something down. So Paul and Silas were praying and the prison was shaken. Come on, I'm developing a sermon in the moment. It's being born in the moment. So, so Paul and Silas were praying. The earth shook. Prison doors were open. But it says that Peter was therefore in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. So he must have been discouraged. He wasn't praying. The church was praying for him, but watch what happens. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison and struck Peter on the side and raised him up and said, arise quickly. And his chains fell off of his hands. And then the Peter, excuse me, the angel said to Peter, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And so he said to him, put on your outer garment now and follow me. And he followed him out and did not know that it was being done by the angel. He didn't know it was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. And when they were past the first and second guards, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down the street and immediately the angel departed. You got to know when God wants you to stay and when he wants you to go. You see the stark contrasting scriptures? Paul and Silas stayed. Peter ran. Unless you have an angel of the Lord that visits you to bring you out, stay. Stay. Look at somebody gently and just say, stick it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick it out. Stay. Every person, small or great, that I've ever known, ever, ever read about, every biography, and I'm a biography guru. I love biographies. Every person, small, great, people have been known by many and people known by few, wanted at some point to quit by taking the easy way. Every father, every mother, every teacher, every student, every business owner, every sports person, sportswoman, doesn't matter, child, boy, girl, every soldier, every minister has wanted to quit and take the easy way out. Every married person, even if you've been married for 35 years, amen? He say amen real loud. But what happens when you stick it out? Fruit, strength, faith, resolve, grit, miracles. And I pray that for each and every one this morning, Lord. Many different prisons represented here this morning. Some mental some emotional for some it's a marriage for some it's health for some it's feeling lost and lonely for some it's poverty I I sense that even from the Lord it's been a prison for you many different things represented here Lord for some running means ending their life For others running, it means ending of a marriage. For some, running means not fulfilling your call or will. Still for others, Lord, it means running away from ministry. some are running from school, whatever it might be, Lord, you know, identify that person, Lord, touch their heart, touch their heart, Jesus, 
Let them know, Father. Give them the assurance. Some, some of us could handle it as long as we know it's your will that we're in that situation. And I just pray that you would comfort each and every heart here, Lord, no matter what it is they're dealing with. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would let that person know, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl, let them know whether they should stay or go. Mold us, shape us. Give us the strength and the fortitude to stand even when the fire is hot, Lord. There's a scripture that's coming to my mind even right now. It says, for the present sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed. That simply means you have no idea that what you're going through is going to impact people's lives for eternity like Paul's life did. And I pray that for each and every one of you. I pray for your strength and grace, Lord, for your wisdom over each and every one. In the name of Jesus. I want everybody's head to remain bowed for just a moment and every eye closed. I know that we gave a little bit of an altar call in the beginning and Several people gave their hearts to Christ, but in just this holy moment, just for a couple more moments, I feel like there, there could be, I'm not sure, there, there just might be someone in this place who is in that cell not because God put you there, but sin puts us in prison. Sin is a very, it's a very cruel thing. It's, it's, it truly is a disease. It's, it brings you further than when you, where you want to go. It brings you further than you when you it brings you further than you want to go. It keeps you longer than you want to be kept. And it makes you pay more than you're willing to pay. Oh, it's a it is a disease and it is a cruel thing. And so I the only want to I want to say this to you. The only thing that can deal with sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. I stand here, and there's many who stand in this sanctuary who are testaments, are testimonies of what the blood of Jesus Christ can do. Some with stained pasts that you would be shocked. You would be shocked. But the blood, but the mercy of God, but the cross of Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACC. FL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.